I wish all of you could be able to see what goes on to make this happen. We are a very blessed and fortunate church with the talent of individuals, with those who give of their times, who help put this together, not just for you, but for anybody else that's tuning in. We welcome you today. We're continuing within our series in chapter 10 of the book of Acts. As I was going through it, I couldn't help but have a picture come to my mind, and that picture was a jigsaw puzzle. I can just picture God in heaven putting the jigsaw puzzle together. In fact, that's what I see. This whole world is a jigsaw puzzle. I'm sure his puzzle is a lot different than mine, and you know me in puzzles. A 20-piece puzzle is about as much as I can handle. But then again, too, you have the larger ones. You've got the 300 and the 500. But today we're going to be looking at this puzzle that talks about the church and how God works in the lives of individuals to where they can have a piece to a puzzle over here. And 32 miles away, another piece could be in place as well. Now, when I can't, I can't help but think, though, of really our life is like a puzzle. It's difficult. It's frustrating. Even when it comes to the point of me kicking everything over. Let's, let's take a 500-piece puzzle. If I were to pour this out into this basket with all the little pieces... That, to me, would be overwhelming. And I would look at that and I would say, how in the world could I ever put something like that together? But yet, we have that attitude sometimes in the world that we live, especially now. We lose hope. The enemy throws into our lives the doubt and the fears of the epidemic of what's going on around us. And we lose sight of what God has given to us in the scriptures. Texts that read to us, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you, a God who truly wants to listen to us. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That is our Father. Let us never forget that that is who he is. But also, too, his mind is a lot different than my little mind. Isaiah 55, 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God is so much bigger than I. He is the creator. He spoke and it happened. I know for you, I watch the news and I'm thinking, you know, probably best just not to watch it. It plays upon me. It distracts me. It leads me in paths that I don't want to go. And I think last night, God made a point to bring to my attention something that I need to remember. And that was a little quote that read, God has a reason for allowing things to happen. 
we may never understand his wisdom, but we simply have to trust in his will. Through all of this, folks, God is still in control. No matter how you look at it, he is in control. And I need to never forget that. Even though what happens around me, I need to never forget that God is in control. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Sabbath morning. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to open up your scriptures one more time and let those words just speak to us, especially with the message that is given today. It's so crucial to see how the Holy Spirit is moving in the young church. But that is the same Spirit that is available to us as well. Father, may I be a vessel for you. May you speak through me. And may your words be prominent to those who hear it, understand it, digest it, and take it with them. For your words are real. Your words are mighty. Your words are eternal. Thank you, Father, for this time. In your loving Son's name I pray, amen. Back in the time of Book of Acts, there's a quote here that says, it's been said perhaps the greatest barrier to the spread of the gospel was the Jewish-Gentile conflict. Makes sense. For all the Old Testament were the Jews, and then all of a sudden the Gentiles come into play when Christ walked on this earth. But the 10th chapter of Acts is a turning point, a major turning point. Because in the history of the church, for the first time, a Gentile is to be admitted into its fellowship. A Gentile. One who was not circumcised. One who thought differently than the Jews, who behaved differently than the Jews. But yet, God is a mighty God, and he loves each one of us. And we're going to see here how this man, his name was Cornelius, he was a soldier, a Roman soldier. And he himself was a seeker of God. And those around him were seekers of God. They worshiped him. They prayed to him. They did wonderful things just like Christ would do. But what's remarkable is they were not followers of Christ. They did not know Christ. But yet their character, their behavior reflected the life of Christ so much. And he had a passion and a love for God. And we're going to see how Cornelius' peace is going to connect to a peace 32 miles away over into where Peter stands, and he's over in Joppa. So let's start the story, because really the plot continues to grow as we read this, as we see it. it it's the Holy Spirit moving. It's, it's individuals reacting. And it is, it is a mighty picture not only for then, but for us today. In what we are going through today, with the conflict of how people view each other, this chapter speaks to us. 
We're going to go to 10, verse 3. One day at about 3 in the afternoon, he, being Cornelius, had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who was called Peter. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, whose house is by the sea. Now think about this. Our Heavenly Father, God, is communicating to a Gentile, a man who was not connected by the Jews at all. But yet God was communicating to him because there was something about his character. There was something about him that was special, that God wanted to take and to mold and mature and be able to build on. And in doing so, he was told to be able to go and get Simon Peter, out of the house of Simon the Tanner. Now, when you, when you read the scriptures, it's always interesting because I know for myself, I can go right through it and not even blink an eye. But I know for myself, through photography in the years past, I have found that when I take a picture, it normally is a picture that's chest high and that's about it, because that's where we feel comfortable. We have to learn that in life there is a word called perspective that is so crucial for us to understand, not only in photography, not only when it comes into putting together jigsaw puzzles, because, see, when you look at a jigsaw puzzle from a different perspective, oh, I can see it differently. And when you look at the scriptures from a different perspective and get a broader picture of the, of the story, that last text, the exciting thing about it wasn't that Simon lived by the sea, but Simon was a tanner. And Simon Peter was in the house of Simon the tanner. Now wait a minute. How can that be? A tanner deals with dead animals. This house should be condemned. It should have a sign above the door, unclean. And no Jew would ever go into a house like that and have hospitality or even stay there. But Peter did. Peter did. And I think that through the Holy Spirit moving through the young church, he was also working through the disciples, especially with Peter. And things were kind of dropping off of him of what he thought were crucial, what he thought were important, what he thought were traditions that he had to hold on to. I think Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, was seeing it's not so much the behavior, the traditions, or what you may think, it's about the person and the heart and the caring and the loving and the attitude and the relationship and the interaction that takes place. Because, see, Simon the Tanner was a Christian as well. Peter enjoyed his company.
So when the angel had talked to Cornelius, he got up and he did exactly what the angel told him to do. He got two servants and another individual and told them to go to Joppa. Gold told them to go to the house of Simon and find the man by the name of Simon Peter. Well, now we switch from Cornelius as the main character to Peter. Remember, Cornelius was about three o'clock in the afternoon when he got his message. And as we continue to read, it talks about, and noon the following day, why these individuals were on their journey to go find Simon Peter. Peter went up to the top of the roof, and he went up there to pray, and he was hungry. When you get hungry, does your stomach sometimes just, oh boy, you just can't eat quick enough. Well, Peter was hungry, and he waited up there for him to get his food, and while he was there, he fell into a trance. In this trance, he saw heaven open up, and something like a large sheet being let down to the earth by the four corners. Can you picture that? The sheet spread out. The four corners are kind of like on maybe a rope descending from heaven. And, and inside on the sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals and reptiles and birds. Verse 13 says, Then a voice told him, being Peter, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Right then and there, Peter went back to Leviticus 11, what he should and should not eat. And he was perplexed. Anybody who is here and is a parent, you sometimes have to tell your children multiple times, a picture or a way for them to understand it, and God in heaven is no different. Because this picture, this message was related three more times. Three more times. And in doing so, when, when Peter said, I cannot eat anything impure or unclean, the voice spoke to him and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. That seems so contradicting to Peter. But it says here, but, but you tell me here, again, we have to sometimes change the perspective and see how God sees. God, help me see through your eyes. Through the, through the Gospels, we saw many times where Jesus told stories with pictures, with visuals to help the people understand. I don't think God is any different. This is a visual. This is a picture to help Peter understand. And he was perplexed. He was confused. While Peter was wandering about thinking about what this means. The men were coming from Cornelius. Remember, that was 3 o'clock the other day. Now it's noon. 
They, they've traveled about 21 miles to find Peter. And they called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. Now remember, Peter's still on the roof. Verse 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them to you. I would love to have a relationship with God like that. Fred, it's time for you to go. Fred, Fred, I know he's there with me. I know I call upon him, but sometimes I'm not always willing to respond as he wants me to do. But boy, to be able to hear those words, to be able to know that your father is calling you from heaven to tell you it's time to do something. And when Peter was told that it was time to do something, verse 21, Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? Verse 22, the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a religious and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. Take note of that. Cornelius was respected by Jewish people. He had a rapport. He had a relationship. It wasn't just a name tag that people looked at. He was actually genuine, transparent, and real, and people saw that in him. He gave to the people. He prayed. He was there for the people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Wow, what an invitation. Verse 23, then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. It seems like, well, that's a happy end of that little story. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Any Jew that is a Jew will not ask a Gentile to even come past the door of their home let alone into their house. What was Peter doing? I can't help but feel that as time was passing, Peter was becoming more like Christ. And the Jewish traditions and laws were dropping off. He invited these individuals to come into his home. And they stayed the night. It says the next day, Peter started to go out with them and took some of the believers from Joppa along with them. Now, he took some believers that lived here, which were probably Jews, to go with them to Cornelius's, which were Gentiles, And it says that the following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and he, 
Cornelius. He had called together his relatives and close friends. I like that picture. He was waiting with anticipation for this man, Peter, to come to talk to them. He had great hopes. He had great desires to learn more about this God. He had called family and friends, and they came to his house. And there was no six feet distancing, I'm sure, in that home. Because they were there with anticipation to hear what Peter had to say. Verse 25, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Now, I don't know about you, but no one's ever fallen at my feet. Peter could have been tempted right there to be very arrogant, very prideful. One who says, look at me, what I have to offer. Yes, Cornelius, you bow down. No, no, no. That wasn't Peter. Peter knew exactly why he was to be there. Verse 27, while, talk, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Once again, once again, Gentiles in the home. If you're a good Jew, you don't go through that door. You don't go into fellowship. You don't go in to do anything with those people. The Gentiles and the minds of the Jewish culture was nothing more than dogs and trash. They even said that if a pregnant woman who's a Gentile was having a baby, don't help her because you'll be bringing another Gentile into the world. Peter was changing right before our eyes here in chapter 10. Something was happening with him. The Holy Spirit had been working with him. Things are different. He is changing. He said to them in verse 28, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. He's making it very clear. I shouldn't be here. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 29, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. May I ask why you sent for me? Whew. What a picture. What a picture. And Cornelius at that time probably stood up and said, okay, Peter, sit down for a minute and let me tell you the whole story. It happened 3 o'clock the other day when an angel came to visit me, and he said this, and he said this. He told me to send for you. He told them the whole dissertation of what took place. He told me to have you go to, go to Joppa and to find you at at Simon the Tanner's house and to ask you to come here. Verse 33. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. 
Cornelius had his act together. He knew that it wasn't going to be Peter speaking. He knew that God was the one that would speak to his disciples, speak to the servants. He knew that God was a mighty God that would speak to them through Peter. And oh, how he longed to hear the words and what he had to say. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Peter was getting it. He was changing. He was changing. And I'm sure that the people were sitting on the edge of their seats in anticipation of what Peter was going to share with them. The Spirit had to be in that home. It must have been a mighty experience just to be in the presence of everyone there. And Peter felt humble but yet proud to be able to be called on by God to say, these are my kids, Peter. Feed them. Feed them. And so what Peter did was he fed them the same thing that God is asking us to feed people every day. And that is Jesus Christ. In my resource books that I use, I came across one found in the Acts of the Apostles that talks about the picture here because in the scriptures from 35 to 44, people talk, or Peter talks to all of those within the home of Cornelius. And they are just waiting with anticipation. But I want you to hear the words that comes out of this book. Then to that company of attentive hearers, the apostle preached Christ. His life, his miracles, his betrayal, his crucifixion, his resurrection and ascension, his work in heaven as man's representative and advocate. I can only imagine that their eyes were just open and they were soaking everything up that Peter had to say like a sponge. I have had the privilege to work with young children to do Bible studies, and it gives me such great joy to be able to do that. But in the process, as we go through the Scriptures, and the Scriptures come alive, and the children understand what it says, and it talks about what it means for them, they are like sponges, and they absorb the truth. Because the truth is Jesus Christ, and that's what these people so desperately needed. As Peter pointed those present to Jesus at the sinners, only hope, only hope. He, he didn't come to them and tell them that they had to worship on a certain day, or they had to eat a certain food, or they had to do this, or do this, or do this, or do this. He came with one intent, 
And that was to share and give them hope because, see, they are sinners and they need Jesus Christ just as much as we do today, just as much as our neighbors in our neighborhood, just as much as those that you meet with in the stores where you work at. When God calls us to do something, he's only asking us to share the life preserver that is so special for these people who are lost because they don't even really know it. These people were not followers of Jesus, but something was taking place even in that home as they spoke because they were drinking it all up. Peter himself, it says, he himself understood more fully the meaning of the vision that he had seen. Remember the vision of the sheet with the animals? It's like Peter finally had the aha moment. Oh, that's what you meant by that. That all animals are the same. There is no clean or unclean. There is nothing that divines them. These animals represented your children, God, right? Yeah. Because when it comes to the Jews and the Gentiles, in God's eyes, they are his children. And Peter needed to understand that to help this man Cornelius and his family come into the church Walls were being broken. Truths were being, well, thrown out the window. It says Peter's heart glowed with the spirit of the truth that he was presenting. Have you ever experienced sharing with someone about Jesus Christ? And you look in their eyes and you see them and they might get all of a sudden excited and teary-eyed and excited and they start to change, but what happens to you? You change. Many times I've walked away from an opportunity to share with and I feel that I have gained more than the person that I talked to because God was there. God was there in that home of Cornelius. God is there in your home, in the neighborhood, wherever you're at, when someone says, I've, I've lost all hope. How in the world can you handle this pandemic? I'm losing everything. I'm losing everything. And people shake their fist at God because of that. Oh, boy, the enemy is having fun now. He's having a heyday. And what God wants us to do is to come alongside them and say, let me share you the life preserver that will save your life. And that is Jesus Christ. Because see, if it wasn't for all of this, God has a reason for allowing things to happen. We may never understand his wisdom, but we simply have to trust his will. That's the key. 
That's the question. Do I trust God in times like this? Do I trust God when everything seems to be falling apart? Physically, spiritually, relationship-wise, job-wise? Do I trust God? God puts us in a point that brings us to our knees to discover, Lord, I can't do this. And he says, you're right. You can't. But Christ can. See, that's, that's the gift that Peter gave to these people when he's in the home of Cornelius. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. Oh, baby, now we're going to have a party. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even to the Gentiles. They're baffled. Wait a minute. They're nothing. God says, no, they're everything as well as you. Walls have to be broken. Understanding has to take place. We're seeing these walls around us. One person says this, one person says this, one person says this. Anymore, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what to believe anymore. And I am thanking the Lord that I have his scriptures to turn to because he is the only thing that I can sit there and say this is true. Just today, I had multiple articles sent to me on to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. And the pros and cons. And you know what? I could be very susceptible to both of them. Why? Because I'm not knowledgeable enough to prove that this is right or wrong. I could be swayed very easily. The enemy does such a good job in getting us into situations that we just feel helpless we feel helpless. I mean, he even makes it even worse, folks. Because even though I look at this as my life, the enemy comes along and says, well, let's just add to the picture." So I ask you, what happens when you put this puzzle together? There's some distorted truth there. There's some things that shouldn't be there. I know from myself, coming into the church 44 years ago as a Methodist boy, I learned that there was a few things that I had to sort through to know what is it that was truth? What was it that I was led to believe? What was it that somebody told me that did not line up to the scriptures? 
because it's the scriptures that has the last say. Not my pastor, not my father, not my friend. It's the Bible. And I found it so invigorating to find out that God does care for us. And he wants us to know the truth. And in doing so, we can find these pieces of distortions. Because Jesus told Philip, you want to know the Father? Look at me. You want to know what God is like? Go in the Gospels and read about Jesus Christ. I'm going to knock this over yet. Those that came with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit was called, was falling upon the Gentiles. Verse 46, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Just like Pentecost. Just like Pentecost, that didn't happen that long ago for the Jews that were witnessing after Christ died and they went to the room kind of scared and fearful but God had compassion on them. But see, God just wasn't watching them in that room. He was watching his children all over the world. And he was looking for opportunities to be able to bring someone from that room to come over here and talk to maybe this group or this family. And that's exactly what transpired Verse 47, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized by water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. (laughs) I love it. I love the picture, the interaction, because see, in actuality, Barnabas was a piece to a puzzle. Peter was a piece to the puzzle. And God used Peter to help Barnabas understand the importance of Jesus Christ in order for him to become part of this fellowship of the new church. And when he did so, And he was baptized, and the Spirit came upon them. Oh, man, look out. Confusing. See, I can't even get 20 pieces, right? There's one piece that fits. And then along here, we have the one that Peter came along, and and that one fits, and and the picture starts to take shape. In fact, I could put this one over here. Because I'm sure people in that room with Cornelius were changed as well. And, And the church was coming alive. The church was making a difference. And guess what? The church is still making a difference today, right? And who's the church? (laughs) 
It's not a building with four walls. People say, oh, it's too bad that we can't have church. Well, you know what? What we're doing right now is we're having church. Because you are my brothers and sisters, and those of you I may not have met are my brothers and sisters, because all the church is is a group of believers that have a life preserver. And they come together united and long for Jesus Christ to go back with him home. When Jesus comes back to this earth, who is he looking for? A denomination? No. He's looking for the life preservers. And I'm going to hold up my life preserver with pride and being proud. Because I can't get to heaven any way else except through Jesus Christ. My behavior, the church I belong to, there's nothing, nothing I can do. And Peter wanted so much for Cornelius to be able to understand that. And when he got back to Jerusalem with his apostles and friends who were circumcised believers, guess what they had to say? You went to the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? There's a problem with that statement. And the best way that you can dissolve any kind of conflict of something like that is how Peter responded. And Peter says, let me tell you what happened and you can judge for yourself. And so Peter went through the whole dissertation and shared with them all the, 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 the speaking with Cornelius and, and the sheet coming down from heaven and what took place in the home. And all of this took place. And they even found out that as he told them that the Holy Spirit came and baptized them and covered them. But I like this statement as we're going to close here today. Verse 17 of chapter 11. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believe in Jesus Christ, and he's talking to the apostles, he's talking to the believers, maybe some of those were there at Pentecost with Peter. If God gave them the same gift, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way. I like that. If God is speaking to someone, if he's speaking to my neighbor, if he's speaking to a relative, if he's speaking to them and they're having a relationship and this person is understanding to the best of their ability and it may go contrary to me. It may not line up with what I think. The truth is, who am I to get in their way? Let the Spirit do its thing. Because in reality, if I look close enough, I bet you they're carrying a life preserver as well. This is the church. This is the church. 
And I'm so thankful that this place that I come to and these body of believers, my family, I value them. But I value more the interaction, the hug, the touch. I didn't realize how much I feed off of people. This drives me crazy. I'm missing the interaction. God did not create us to be alone. He wants us to come together because when we come together, we lift each other up. And we give encouragement to each other. We pray for each other. It's been difficult, but I thank the Lord that there are people in this church who are doing their job as far as contacting the family, inquiring that we stay in touch. Verse 18, and these are the believers now, okay? Talking about trying to dissolve a conflict. When they heard all of this, verse 18, when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then even the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You can't dispute what Peter just told them. Because it's not about traditions, it's not about behaviors, it's not about what you do and what you don't do. It's about Jesus Christ and Christ alone because he is our life preserver. And we are going to see this church still have struggles in the book of Acts. But yet, the Spirit is moving in a mighty way. And that spirit is still alive today. And he's moving in a mighty way, I know, within this church building and these body of believers, as well as body of believers outside in our community. And I thank the Lord for that. Because we are really in a predicament here within this world. I see camps are starting to develop of us and them. And I don't like that. I don't like how I feel when that surfaces up in my mind. I never thought I would experience wearing a face mask and I saw someone else at a store not wear a face mask. I go, ooh. Fred, you're being judgmental. But all of a sudden, see, it's it's me and them. We're, we're developing camps. And God, the Satan's having a heyday. But God is bigger than Satan. And we know the end of the story, folks. We know the end of the story, so we got to stand true. And we got to trust him no matter, no matter what it looks like. He just says, trust me. I work with a young man right now who's going through some real difficulties with his life physically. And one of the best pictures that we have come to to help carry him through all of this is a daddy holding the child's hand. Because daddy doesn't want to lose the child, but also, too, the child doesn't want to lose daddy. And the child feels safe when that child has daddy's hand 
But I asked him, who do you think had the strongest grip, daddy or the child? His response was, daddy. I go through life holding my daddy's hand. And I thank him for his grip and his strength that he does not let go of me. I pray not to fight it. I pray to submit to him. I pray to surrender, to be able to continue to work with him as he leads and directs me, not just to spend time with him in eternity, but to have an opportunity to witness to others and allow them the chance to know Christ and go home. Acts 10 and 11 is a turning point within the church. Because all of a sudden, a lot of walls, a lot of barriers are being broken. And it's all because of the Holy Spirit, as well as individuals listening and cooperating and doing what they're asked to do, no matter what it is, as long as it lines up with God's will. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the message that we read in the book of Acts. It's always exciting to see how this new church, this birth church that you've given out to this world transformed lives. But it wasn't the people themselves, it was the Holy Spirit who worked through each one of them. Just as today you used Peter to reach out to Cornelius to help him come into a church that would accept him. And you even topped it off with the Holy Spirit coming down and baptizing him and his family. For God, you don't see any walls. You don't see any divisions. We are all your children. And I long for the day that we can go home. But for now, may your grip be strong around my hand. May you hold the hands of my church family, draw them close to you and help them in times of doubt, concerns, and fear and questioning, may you never let go. And someday, someday, you will take us home. And oh, I look forward to that. Be with us all now in the coming week, and we just thank you for this day that you give to us. In your loving son's name I pray, amen. Amen.